everyone, I'm Bonita Nuttall, and this is The Talking Stick, the place where we unlock the secret to creating authentic connection every time we present from the inside out. You're going to hear collective wisdom, insights, and practical strategies from communication experts around the world on how to present with increased confidence, clarity, and credibility. If it's your first time here, welcome. So great to have you here. And if you're back for more, yay! Delighted to share some space and time with you again. And I trust that today's episode will deliver some great value for you. So today we're headed to New Zealand's windy capital of Wellington to catch up with a powerhouse woman who has enough energy to light up a small city. (laughs) And I'm sure that if we look closely enough, we'd find that everywhere she goes, she somehow manages to leave it a brighter shade of happy pink. Honouring's my favourite word, and I think honouring your client, honouring the audience by being in service to them and not being about you, honouring the space you're in, honouring the theme of whatever they're talking about and bringing your energy to that. And part of that, like you talked about being nervous and, and stuff beforehand, I reframe everything. This, to me, nerves and excitement are exactly the same thing. One thing I always check in with whether I'm allowed to swear with a client because I love swearing and I see it as part of my fully self-expressed brand. And a lot of people don't like swearing. And I've had people say to me that when you swear, you give permission to people not to listen. Well, here's what you need to know about today's special guest, Lisa O'Neill. Feisty, funny, and fabulous. Lisa O'Neill is an absolute beam of light that will electrify your conference and, no doubt, this podcast too. With the rare ability to deliver powerful messages through side-splitting humor, Lisa is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and MC across Australia and New Zealand. After more than a decade on stage, Lisa is constantly top-rated in conference evaluations. Participants love her straight-talking, refreshing wisdom, and infectious laughter. I tell you, I've been there and I can attest to that. (laughs) They respond to her call to live big lives and to become the best version of themselves. Lisa is also the author of six books. Six! Look gorgeous and be happy. Juggling in high heels. The lickable third. I love that title. A hundred questions to self-awareness. Everything you want and 50 things I now know. Her depth and continuing insights enable her to tailor her messages to any audience, any industry, and to the conference's theme as well, which is so important. Her pride in being a polished professional means conference organizers really love to work with her. Lisa O'Neill is a speaker who will crack open audiences with laughter so that they can absorb important, life-changing messages. I tell you, I've had the pleasure of getting to know Lisa over the past few months, and every time without fail, by the end of our time together, My cheeks are hurting, my heart is moved, and I always walk away feeling inspired. So if you're ready for your shot of inspiration for the day, you're in the right place. Let's meet Lisa. Lisa, welcome. Welcome to the Talking Stick podcast. I don't think I've ever had an intro that amazing. How good are you? How good are you? That was was Um, stunning. Thank you. It's so wonderful to have you here. And Lisa, events are opening up around the world again. How exciting. I'm so excited. My calendar is full. I've got an Air New Zealand app full of flights and I'm like, oh, my house is full. So yeah, I'm really excited. (laughs) So nice to be back on stages and at events and with people, you know. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I cannot wait. I've got a big conference in Auckland on Monday and I'm just like, I can't wait to get on that plane, you know. It's like back to 
Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and the early flights and all of that good stuff that comes with it. Now, Lisa, well, you and I have had a few conversations about this before, but, you know, I really do think that you were born with a talking stick in your hand, literally. Yeah, would you agree with that? Come on. Yeah, I really like it. When I saw <laughs> Oprah Winfrey and when she came to New Zealand, she talked about how her, I think it was her, someone said to her grandmother the first time she recited a piece of scriptures in a church when she was four years old, she leaned over, someone leaned over to Oprah's grandmother and said, you've got yourself a talking child. That is a talking child. <laughs> and um, I was sitting at Oprah with one of my best friends and she elbowed me and went, you're a talking child. And I said, yeah, I think I am. I talk my whole life. I talk in my sleep. I love talking. So yeah, talking is definitely one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, I love that. I really love that you're a talking, talking child. child. Yeah. Brilliant. Tell us, so how did you actually become, I mean, yeah, so, so granted this has been your thing for like such a long time, but how did you, how did you go from being speaker and being the talking child to professional speaker? Yeah, it was really interesting. So I started off in the fashion industry and I'd worked as a stylist and an art director and I, I've always been obsessed with how things look. I love beautification is one of my highest values and I love things to be beautiful. And I used to look at people and think, who dressed you funny? Like, why did you do that to yourself? <laughs> like, you know, I was just like, really well. And so in retail, I couldn't help myself. I wanted to help people and physically kind of transform them. And I said to, I was working yeah. in a retail store and I said to um, one of the women who owned the store, would it be all right if we had an evening? And what if we, she said, oh, you're really good with people. And I said, yeah, let's invite your top 10 people in and let's have a little wine and cheese evening. This was 25 years ago in the store. And she was like, hmm, let's do that. So we did that, went really well. All of them spent ridiculous amounts of money. She was like, can we do it again? I was like, sure. We did the next one. We had 20, the next one we had. And then it was like, we had 60 women and we couldn't fit in the store. And so she was like, what else could we do? So we booked a local church hall. We invited all the customers. We had like a hundred women and it just kind of grew from there. And then I was like, this is really working. And I love this talking business. Like I loved fashion and I was really passionate about it, but I really loved being on stage and I loved talking and I could see that I was shifting people. Like I, I was, I got that experience of, Oh, I say stuff and their minds move. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is insane. So I did that for oh, a long time. And then I, I got to the point where we were doing really big events. I had 1200 women in a room, massive events, and they were extraordinary. But one night a woman came up and said, Oh, what neckline should I wear? And I thought, I'm going to throw up. I don't care just don't care. And, and it was like all the blood left my body. And um, in that moment, I was like, wow, I don't care. I don't care. And I thought, what's happened to me? And I think that it was really interesting for me. I'd realized over time, I kept getting repeat offenders. So people kept coming back to me going, oh, I need a new top. I need a new top. And I was like, you don't need a new top. You've got to fix your head. You've got to change the way you think. And at that moment, I went, I'm sick of giving people, you know, like Panadol, like just giving them a new top. And a new top's great, don't get me wrong. We all love a new top. But I was like, I think there's more to life than just dishing out garments, I think. And I ended up sort of doing a PhD in women's problems because I literally spent 20 years sitting in changing rooms. And, you know, when people take their clothes off, they become very vulnerable and they'll tell you anything. I heard about their marriages, their children, their businesses, their work, their all of their fears, all of their, you know, the amount of time I ended up in a, with, in a changing room with a naked woman crying was daily. And um, it just happened all the time. Wow. And I, I learned so much about people. So I think that's kind of, and then I just wanted to help people. 
I don't want to help people who don't want to be helped. I'm really clear about that. But I like people who want to shift and change and transform. I'm like, come over here. Let's do that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting, Lisa, how you went from helping people to change and transform on the outside, but actually you've moved to helping them do that on the inside. A hundred percent, because I think that's where the real change happens, you know, and you can give anyone a new garment, but it doesn't actually change Sometimes it does. Sometimes it has such an impact that they see themselves differently. And I think that's a beautiful moment when when you get to watch someone seeing themselves for the first time or seeing themselves differently is really beautiful. But for me, it became, yeah, but how can we stop you coming back here every six weeks with the same story? And, you know, we've all got those friends who, and we do it ourselves sometimes, so Just you end up in a loop and you're just constantly going, yeah. <laughs> this has happened and and you're like yeah but what are you doing about it and action is a big action and effort are two of my favorite things and I think what are you doing about it yeah so I'm really big on action I'm really big on effort on making an effort and and taking responsibility because stuff happens to us it's not our fault but it is our responsibility to sort that out so whatever happens to you I believe is your responsibility to deal with and I choose to believe everything's a gift because I'm revoltingly positive Like I should come with a warning sign because I can like make anything positive. (laughs) You are extremely positive. And and energy, also you're speaking about these things that are really important for you, but energy I've come to know with you as well, Lisa, is really important. And, you know, when it comes to to speaking, I mean, not only as speakers, but as human beings. And I think speaking to that is, you know, how did you go about managing your energy? I mean, you know, a lot of people come to me and they they want help with, you know, I get really nervous. I, I have anxiety before. I speak and, you know, there's sleepless nights, all of that sort of thing. How have you managed to sort of support yourself in your journey of, of managing your energy before you speak and, and so that you can give of your, your all on stage? Yeah, that's a really good question. I So state management is really important. I think when I'm presenting on stage, um, someone is buying my energy, right? So I have a responsibility to deliver that. So it's no different than I was delivering a truckload of firewood. I have a responsibility to get the firewood there. I have a responsibility to turn up as my best. And that usually starts for me about a week before so that I make sure I know where I'm going, who's going to be there. Like I, I don't like surprises. So I want to know how many people are going to be there, what kind of people are going to be there, what's the room, what's the room layer. I want to be able to kind of have an, a really clear picture on where I'm going and what I'm doing. I also think a lot about what I wear, how I want to physically be seen, like how do I want people to respond to me? What's the message I want people to send? Because you know, when people in that first, I think it's probably 10 seconds now, it used to be 30, in that first impact of people seeing you, they make a judgment. And unfortunately, as a woman, it's twice as twice as impactful, I think, based on what we wear. Right. So and sometimes I will deliberately wear things to challenge people because I want them to be disrupted and I want them to think I'm I'm actually leading the witness. Like I want them to think something. Actually, love that. I think that's a really good secret tool you can use because you can either dress very conservatively and then be outrageous, or you can dress really outrageous and then be really deep and clever. And they're just like, "Whoa, I did not see that coming." And you're like, "Yeah, you didn't." You know, I like I kind of love that. I'm like, "Go on, underestimate me." And as a blonde woman, I've got all the place to play in that space. Do you know what I mean? Because I reckon if anyone was underestimated most in the world is blonde women and women that, you know, just assumed that we're not clever, assumed that we don't have any depth. And it's been this horrible kind of meme forever, you know, and I find that really interesting and I love to play into stuff like that. 
I love that. Yeah. And Lisa, you do tend to go quite against the grain though. And I love that about you because you, there's a sort of a, a real challenging of the norms. What's that about for you? And as a speaker, I think there's a fine line between challenging those norms and kind of knowing where that line is. How do you know where that is? Well, there's a really fine line. And I think you've got to be careful how you turn up and why you're doing it. Because there's got to be a strategy behind how you turn up. And I'm quite into turning up wearing kind of, I love wear a lot of outrageous stuff, like really bold colours and really crazy big earrings. And, and I'll just, you've got to read the room. I think knowing your audience and what you're trying to do and trying to, yeah, like I, I think that's really important. I just think for me, I've got to turn up as me. So I can't turn up conservative. It's just not who I am. And they're buying me. So at the end of the day, they want me, they're going to get me and they're going to get me at a hundred percent. One thing I, I always check in with whether I'm allowed to swear with a client because I love swearing and I see it as part of my fully self-expressed <laughs> brand. And a lot of people don't like swearing. And I've had people say to me that when you swear, you give permission to people not to listen. And I'm like, yeah, I appreciate that. And that's their kind of judgment, right? That's their rule. And I say to clients, look, how do you feel about people swearing at your events? And they go, oh, no, we don't do that. And I go, that's fine. I cannot swear, but you will only get 80% of me because 20% of my energy is going, don't say fuck, don't say fuck, don't say fuck. And that's, that's <laughs> to keep me, keep me going. And whereas if they go, oh, say what you like, I'm so yeah. wide open that they will get the best of me, but they may get the odd bad word. And they've got to decide. And part of that's about getting to know yourself and knowing what the conditions are for you to be in your best state. So I have to yeah. have sleep. Um, I never eat carbohydrates before I present because I find they drop my energy. Like I can feel really, like I feel heavy. So I won't eat carbs before, I love carbs, but I won't eat them before I present. Yeah, I put peppermint oil under my tongue before I go on stage, which just literally blows my mind open. Because <laughs> like, it's oh, like, <laughs> and you know how when you clean your teeth, you just feel like, mm, yes. that feels better. It's even than that again, because it goes right through your whole kind of brain. So I find peppermint oil really useful. I find music really useful sometimes, depending on what's going on in the room. I always like to be in a room at least a session before I speak. So I try and go in, if I'm speaking, I'll try and go in for the session before, because I just want to feel the room and I want to know what's happened in the room. One of the things I really, it really irks me is speakers who turn up rushing in the door, being all windswept and interesting, with four minutes to go, you know, and they're like to the microphone man going, get me ready because I've arrived. And it's very arrogant and all about them. And then they turn up and they're on stage and then they walk out the door, fold their laptop and swish out. And it's like, really? What are you, Spider-Man? Like it's just, I just think it's really shit. And I'm like, you owe your client the best you can be. And for me, that's about being there early to read the room, to kind of just break up that third wall so that, they're used to me. They've already seen me. I never, ever come out from behind a curtain of a, because I think that's yeah, da, 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 da. And then I also like to stay in the room afterwards and be around for any breaks if people want to have conversations and ex- continue on things, because I think that's in service to the energy of the room as well. You know what I mean? Like I think serving the room is really important and being respectful to the space, like arriving with plenty of time and I'm kind of often late. So at least if I plan to be there two hours early and I'm late, I'm only there an hour and a half early. So it's good. I'm never like, yeah. I never miss my cue because I'm never that late. But yeah, I just like the idea of giving myself a lot of space and giving my clients space because I like to hear from them afterwards. I like to yabber to people. People will come up and say, they'll, they'll give you feedback. <laughs> it's always nice. Yeah. 
you know, <laughs> they're always like, oh, I love it. I didn't enjoy this or I was offended by that. And I'm like, good, let's talk about that. Like, I love to sit with people with opposing <laughs> ideas. I really enjoy that. So I'm like, tell me more about why that annoyed you or what happened for you. Or they go, oh my God, I love that. And how can I do this? Or where can I get your book? And I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's talk about that. Like, I just like serving the rooms. Yeah. Wow. I, I really, like, there's so many amazing things that you've spoken about in there. And I think one of them, you spoke about being respectful of the space and, and care is a really big thing to you, Lisa. Like I thought I cared a lot, like when it comes to things, but like, then I met you and I was like, oh my God, there's more. I can care even more than this. I Honoring is my favorite word. And I think honoring your client, honoring the audience, by being in service to them and not being about you, honouring the space you're in, honouring the theme of whatever they're talking about and bringing your energy to that. And part of that, like you talked about being nervous and and stuff beforehand, I reframe everything. This To me, nerves and excitement are exactly the same thing. So if I feel slightly nervous, I would never call it that. I'd say, oh, no, I'm I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. And I think words, words are really important. And when you go, I'm nervous, you're actually messing with yourself. Like, just don't do that. I love that. Just don't do it. Just don't mess with yourself because you're not helping by telling yourself yeah. like, oh, you know, people who walk around all day going, oh, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm like, what's the point? Like I had four babies <laughs> at home in the lounge and I banned the word pain. I said to my midwives, I don't want to discuss pain. I have no interest in pain. You're allowed to use the word discomfort if you must, but I do not want the word. I think language is really powerful and we have to be careful what words we're using. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Lisa. It's, you know, what we tell ourselves and the thoughts that we choose to buy into and then lean into and then feel into, then eventually begin to to shift and change our physiology. And, and that is everything. So you've given so many amazing tips of how to sort of manage state and how to make sure, you know, get us in the zone before we get up on stage. And I think having, you know, having a pre- Pre-game ritual is is really, really important. Yeah, I think you've really, really got, I have meetings with myself all the time and you have to have a meeting with yourself and go, what do I need to be at my best? What am I wearing when I'm at my best, right? Like, what am I wearing? Yeah. And I'm, I never wear things, I never wear garments that wear me. So things like, things with splits, things that I'm worried about. Like, I don't want to walk across the stage and my inner thigh comes out because my inner thigh is not my best fit, just saying. So I don't really think anyone <laughs> needs to see my inner thigh. And so I would never wear anything. You know, sometimes you're wearing things and you think, oh, God, is that like, well, my boobs are out. Or I don't know, something's happened and you're just like, oh, that's really uncomfortable. Or So I never wear things I'm not physically comfortable in. Things that I move a lot when I'm presenting. So I've got to have stuff I can move in. Yeah, stuff that makes me feel really good. And I'm like... If you don't pick your most impressive outfit, pick the outfit you feel the best and the strongest, the thing you put on. You know, you've got that garment where you put it on and you go, yeah, here I am. Like that, that's yeah. what you want to feel. And, you know, if that's the garment that makes you feel like that, then wear that. Like I think it's really important that you own what's best for you and how. Yeah. And my whole day when I present is about what's best for me. Like, getting up at the right time, spending time. I, I spend, I mean, I journal every morning anyway, but eating the right breakfast, having the space to get ready, like not being rushed. I don't want to be rushed and yeah. turn up sweaty with half my makeup on feeling like, you know, looking good's really important to me. So I spend a lot of time on grooming and I don't want to ever be rushed in that. So I always give myself loads of space and I would never book something in before keynoting because if I book a meeting and that meeting goes badly and that messes with my head, 
and then 20 minutes later I'm on stage. That's not fair on the company that have booked me. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, when I was doing investigative journalism, one of the things that um, my mentor at the time told me was, you know, if you're going to go on set, put your phone off. Because if you're, I mean, which is kind of really hard to do today, but, you know, it's like, don't look at your phone. Because for me, I know that also, you know, if something came along and it was not good news, the rest of the day is going to be a shit show, literally. Yeah. Well, you've got to manage your energy. You've got to be able to know what you need and don't need and what works for you. And some people say, don't have your phone on. Other people go, no, I love my phone on. It's like, cool, you do you, right? But just know your terms and conditions. I think you need to know yourself really well. And the amount of speakers that I speak to that go, I've never thought about what I wear. I'm like, what? Like, really? What? Yeah. And, and they've never thought about um, how they turn up. or, And it's like, what, what do you need? Like, I've got a special fragrance I wear that when I put it on, I go, yeah, like I'm on. And it makes me, my brain goes, here we go. I use aromatherapy a lot. I find that really important. And I use fabrics a lot. So I have different fabrics that I would present in compared to non-presenting fabrics, if that makes sense. Like knitwear is yes. really soft and, and a really generous fabric. And I would never present in knitwear because I feel quite chill and I don't, Whereas, yeah, different fabrics do different. I have a real attachment to fabric and feel, which is interesting. So I think for people to go through their wardrobes and go, what is the message I want to send? Mm-hmm. And what is the best I can turn up in? And what is it that when I put it on, I feel like unbelievable? Oh, I love that. You know, it's everything that we do before getting on stage is so important in, in setting us up for whether it's going to be a great presentation or not. Yeah. And in- got more chance for the preparation, right? That whole... Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you about next, Lisa, like preparation. How much do you prepare, like in terms of your content so that you, you're slick with everything? So I've got probably six core different keynote messages that I deliver and six big keynote. And I have each one of those in three different looks. So I've got a a presentation, I've, if I'm doing my, say, energy is everything is one of my most popular keynote topics. And I've got a, a younger version of that where I use different images So I use emojis on all of the slides for that. It's all very bright and fun. I've got a really pretty version, which I use for female predominant audiences because I do a lot of with women's events. And then I have a really inspirational kind of image photography set for if I'm speaking to a very mixed room or an industry or something. So I have three different looks for each keynote. And then I also customize. So depending on the client brief, I will take, five slides from there and four slides from there and three from there from five different messages. And then I'll brand it all to their brand color as well. Wow. And I really enjoy that because it helps me get my head into the, it's, it's content I'm really used to, but it just, I love playing. I was a graphic designer in my first, very first job. So I love graphics and color and I love the idea of playing with the slides and what the key messages are and the theming and, and what, the best I can bring to that presentation. And I think if you have the colour of the company you're speaking with, it helps them own it. They go, oh, this is for me because it's my colours. Do you mean? Oh, that's a great tip, yeah. Especially corporates, they're very brainwashed. They're very brainwashed into going, oh, I work for Shell, so our colour is red and yellow. Um, And they go, (laughs) oh, it's red and yellow. That must be something I should listen to. Like they just subconsciously (laughs) follow. I think it's really important that you – Honor, and I think honouring the company is really important. Like when a, a CEO gives me their company for an hour, I'm like, yeah. wow, that is such a privilege. If you add up 
the hourly rate of everyone in that room. Yeah. Like how much money is that worth? You know, you're on stage and there's a thousand of their staff looking at you for an hour. You imagine how much they could get done. You imagine what the opportunity cost is of you being on that stage. And I go, forget about what they're paying me or what, like just the fact that they're there is such an honour. And I just think we need to be really big on on that. Instead of walking in going, oh, you're really lucky I'm here and here's my slides I presented two weeks ago to some other client and good luck. Like I just think, like. Well, and that's the thing, Nisa, there's a, there's a beautiful humility in that and recognising that, yeah, we're part of it. And it's not, I think this is the, for me, what I'm hearing in that there is, is to shift the focus from being like, I'm the speaker, like I'm going to walk in and I'm going to do my thing to like, I'm here to serve and you're, you know, this is the audience and I, how can I be in service of you today? And it's like, how can you? And that's why being in the rooms really helps. So I've got this client I'm speaking with in Auckland on Monday, and they've been harassing all week going, we need a copy of your slides. And I'm like, you're not having them. Not because I won't give away my slides, I'll give them to you afterwards. But I literally don't know what I'm going to present until I'm on the stage. And my MacBook allows me to see all my slides in the, you know, have you, have you got a MacBook? Can you see? Yes. Yeah, so you you can see the little images along the top of the bar and the yes. it might be them I don't know which one of the computers. They're amazing anyway. And you can I can see, I can be on stage. I always run my laptop from the stage because I can yeah. run along and I can go I'm at like I can get on stage and they go, "Oh, the last speaker was went over time. Can you cut yourself short for 10 minutes?" And I go, "Sure." And so that way I can just skim along and go and move myself three slides over and just push the next slide I want. I can skip three slides because I go, that probably doesn't matter. And I've got to honor the time I've been given and you've got to be flexible. So, and I don't know what I'm going to present until it's happening. I'm like a DJ. I'm going, not that, not that, yeah, that. Like, so I think (laughs) that's really important too. Like knowing, I don't know what I'm going to present. And when I'm in the room, I might be listening to the speaker before me and they've just come up with something that either I was going to say or was completely contradictory to something I was going to say. And so to honour the room, I literally tweak presentations four minutes before I go on. That's crazy, Lisa. So I'm, like, I'm not giving you the slides because I can't tell you what I'm going to do yet. Wow. But I will give them to you afterwards because they think I'm being precious and oh, she won't share her content. I'm like, no, I'll give you my content. I don't care. You've paid for the yeah. content. But I'm not giving it to you before because I can't guarantee that's what I'll talk about. So is that also because you know your content so well? You've done it this many times, you know, it's not like you're, you're putting it together like, oh, I might just, you know, let me go research this particular topic. Like you've got your main themes and categories that you're talking about and you've done the work, I think is for me what I'm hearing in that so that you can actually get to that point as a professional speaker to go, oh, cool, I could bring in this story and that slide and this, you know, this quote and, and so forth and so on and speak about that. Yeah, and I think it's read the room, right? It's read the room. Like you need to look at the room mm-hmm. and I can go, okay, this room is not absorbing what I'm doing here right now. So that next yeah. bit I had said, I'm not going to just chug on. I'm going to shift it yeah. and go to this because this is going to be better. And I like the idea of being that kind of fluid. Yeah. Which is, I think that in the beginning, I probably, I couldn't do that. I had to know that I'm going to do this, then this, then this, then this, because it's really scary and you want to go, oh, what's next? What's next? You know? Um, (laughs) But I think now that I'm much more in flow with the audience, I I find it, I'm speaking with them, not at them. And I think that in the beginning, I spoke at people. And now I I feel like it's a conversation now, even though they're not necessarily responding with words, but energetically I feel like it's a tennis match and I can feel the, yeah. the coming and goings and it's I'm with them. And if I'm not with them, I've got to change really quickly because I can't walk off the stage and go, sorry about that, I missed it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Speaking with them, not at them. Yeah. That is such a great shift in, in framing and in mindset around that, Lisa. It's really normal to speak at people when you begin as a speaker because you're just like, hello, this is my name. This is what I've got to get to you today. And I'd like to be inspirational. And here we go. And you're like, blah, 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 blah. And, but you're not, and you're so caught up in you because it's such yeah. a, it's mental. You know, it's a, it's a complete head fuck being on stage at the beginning. It is. Trying to remember everything. And then you're like, did I forget that? What if I do that? Would I do that? Did I say that? I don't know if I did that. Did I remember <laughs> that? Like your head's doing, you've got five browsers open. You know what I mean? And Pretty so much. It's really yeah. hard to get in state in the beginning. So in the beginning, just do your best, you know. But I think once you get into kind of more the mastery of it, you go, okay, how can I read this room and what's really happening and Mm. Oh my God. And I think that comes with practice and experience, Lisa, after so many years of doing what you're doing. And I can't believe it. A whole half an hour has just gone by and you and I have, like, it feels like we've barely even scratched the surface. Like we've been together five minutes. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Lisa, just finally, I mean, what is one last thing? What is the absolute highlight of your speaking career been so far? Oh, or one of the many, because I'm sure there are many. Let's, let's make it that. Yeah. I had this amazing experience once at a conference where I came off the stage and a man in his late 60s just came up to me and he grabbed me by the elbows and he was crying and he said, I can't even tell you, you've just changed my life. And I went, like, I was like, cool. Like, I had no idea what it was about. And he said, you've got no idea. You've got no idea. And he just walked off. And I was like, Oh, how bizarre. And two days later, I got this beautiful email from him and his wife had died two months before. And he said, I'd literally lost the will to live and I didn't know. And he said, and you completely reset me and made me see how grateful I was for everything I had. And and, and I was like, oh. And so he and his boss had said to him, I know you've had a rough time, but I really want you to come to conference. And just that one moment, I'm like, see, if one person has that, I'm like, was really beautiful. And it was so beautiful because he wasn't really my market. He wasn't really my target. He wasn't who I was hunting for, but he just got so much out of it. And I think watching people's faces change in their life, it's such a bloody honour, you know? And that's it, Lisa. Yeah. Wow. What a beautiful story. And and it is about the ability and the honour, as you've spoken about, to to stand in front of people and and see them shifting. I think that's, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, and when you can go on stage, I really love it when I walk on to, I often do what they call the carbohydrate slot, like after lunch, where everyone's just full of scones and sandwiches and they're all lost the will to live and you get on stage at like 1.30 <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, really? I love that bit because I'm like, yeah, here we go. Like, I also like the Sunday morning after the event the night before where they're all hungover and I'm like in the room because oh I've God. got way too much energy. But I love that shifting. I go, you know what? I'm going to make you people change. By the end of this 45 minutes, you're going to be completely different than you were 43 minutes ago. Um, and that's my whole mission. Like, and I, I kind of love that challenge. And I quite often like that. You know, when you get someone in the room who's really grumpy and you can see them like, yes, I've learned half the time. Sometimes it's a concentration phase. Sometimes they got, yeah. sometimes they're actually concentrating. They're like resting bitch face. Yeah. And, I'm just like, I'm, and I'm like, I'm going to make you smile. I'm going to make you smile. And then they come up at the end and go, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, I'd hate to see you having a good time, a bad time, because 
your face <laughs> look like you've just been through a trauma. And um, yeah. like, oh, and they don't know. Like they're not aware of their faces. Yeah, no truth. <laughs> it's okay. You can tell your face that you're happy. So I think don't ever take anything personally because often when we're mm. on stage and you see someone and you go, oh, they're having a terrible time. They hate me. Oh, they're having a ter-. It's not about you. They're going through the fight they had with their daughter that morning. They're going through something. Yeah. You've said that they're going, oh, God, I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do that? that way? It's always about them. And I think when you can realize that, because if you start going, oh, no, oh, no, what about me? You'll start messing up the value you're delivering to the other 95% of the room because you're worried about, you know, old Mr. Bitchface over here who's not having a great time. Not your problem. Oh my God, Lisa, so much amazing wisdom that you shared today about, you know, care, about uh, managing our energy, about making sure that we we manage our state before getting onto onto stage as well. You know, not taking things personally, respectful, honoring our audience. So many amazing, amazing tips and, and insights here. Thank you so much for being with me here on the show and for sharing with all of us. So lovely having you here. Thank you for having me. It's been so lovely. Now, just before you trot off here, I wanted to ask you, so I heard that you are doing this amazing retreat called Repotted, and it's going to be held here in New Zealand. So please tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it's in the Coromandel, so I do it every year, and we haven't done one for a while because of the dreaded COVID lurgy, Um, but we're back, and it's so exciting. So Repotted came from a conversation I had with a woman who was at one of my workshops, and she was a gardener, and she said, I don't know what's wrong with me. Nothing's really wrong, but nothing's really right, and I said, I think you might need repotting. And she went, oh, and it was a metaphor that really worked for her because I said, I feel like you're like, you know, those plants that are a bit dried up and a bit buggered up and and they're not really accessing what they need and they're just sort of sitting there and they're not thriving. And um, (laughs) so then I thought, you know, imagine if you could repot your life, if you could go, right, I'm going to, you know, sort of shake out my roots and kind of spread myself out and get myself some new soil and put myself in a new environment. And and I believe, especially women, we work in five-year cycles. So what's the five-year cycle of what do you want now? And I get a lot of women coming along who go, I've just had a family and I'm freaking out and I don't have any time to myself and can you help me? And I'm like, sure, let's repot that. And then I get women going, my kids have all just left home and I don't know who I am anymore. And I'm like, cool, who do you want to be? So we spend three days in the Coromandel. It's unbelievable. Just sitting around having amazing conversations about nurturing ourselves and nourishing ourselves and and just getting really clear on what do you want. And a lot of us need help with that. We can't come up with that on our own. And then it's nice to be in an environment with usually total strangers. Some people come on their own, but some come completely with a friend or something and some come just turn up and they go, hi, I'm here. And by the end of three days, I've got a whole lot of new friends. And yeah, it's just, I love, I'm a retreat slut. Amazing. I love retreating. <laughs> retreat slut. <laughs> I love taking myself away for an for a experiential intimacy where you're with someone, you know, you know, it's that whole, what goes on tour stays on tour. So it's like yes. you and I were together from Friday to Sunday and that was sacred, that little lovely yeah. sacredness of time and what happens. And there's a start and a finish and a process. And oh, I just love, I love retreating because it's such a lovely opportunity to help people. And repotting is helping people bloom, you know? So it's lovely. Oh my God. Yeah. 
Lisa, it sounds amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, I tell you what, I am going to pop a link to Lisa's repotting retreat on my website. Lisa, amazing, amazing, amazing talking to you. I'm sure it's going to be such an extraordinary retreat as well. I have had the privilege of working with Lisa in different capacities. And I tell you something, it will be so worth your while going to this. So if that's of interest to you, please go ahead and check that out. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So if you want to know more about Lisa's wonderful repotted retreat, if you want to book her to speak at your next event or buy any of her books, if you want to know anything and everything there is to know about Lisa, I'm going to have some links on my website. So head over to there and I'll have all the details there. That's bonitanuttle.com. Ah, wow. And that's it for this episode of The Talking Stick. If you want to contact me directly or learn more about how you can work with me, all my details are also on my website, bonitanuttle.com. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe, share this with someone you know who you think would benefit, and together we'll build on how to present you from the inside out, one week at a time. Thanks for listening. I'm Bonita Nuttle. I look forward to your company next episode. And until then, please remember to turn up the you in all you do.